Hi everyone, my name is Mark Kelly and welcome to Freedom Church and our online Sunday service. It is just great that you've chosen to spend the next hour with us. My desire is that you leave our time together changed, full of peace, joy, excitement and encouragement as we lift up the name of Jesus, worship our good God together and hear what he has to say through our speaker this morning, Stu Allen. And Stu will be bringing part two of his mini-series, An Elijah People. If you're watching this for the first time, I want to welcome you especially. You might be a Christian of many years or today might be the first time you've decided to give this God thing a go. Well, wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are so glad you've decided to connect with us today. The order of, kind of Sunday services looks something like this. We sing a couple of worship songs, we watch some quick notices, and then we have our main sermon. And after this, if there's time, we sing another worship song before ending with a few announcements. So be sure to stick around with us until the very end. So are your phones on silent? Do you know where the bathrooms are? Have you found a good seat at the front? You have? Brilliant. Well, let me start with a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, you are the source of all true and lasting joy. We praise you for your power, which is beyond compare. We worship you for your wisdom, which is beyond understanding. You meet all our needs. You, you can restore the brokenhearted and heal the wounded. And you've revealed yourself to your people and you're building your church against which the gates of hell will not prevail. How great are you, Lord. For our hearts we love as we respond by singing praises to you. Amen.
Hello everybody and welcome to part two of an Elijah people ready to welcome the king. So the last time I spoke I shared with you uh, regarding John the Baptist and how I believe that his life symbolises um, that of the church in uh, our welcome and uh, of the return of Jesus. And I just want to uh, just focus particularly on the, the verse of scripture that that um, came from for me. I'm going to read again <clears throat> from chapter three of Matthew for the first four verses to uh, bring us back into recalling where I was. So verse one of chapter three, Matthew. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. I'm just going to pray now. <clears throat> before I go forward and share more interesting revelation. Heavenly Father, I ask you to breathe upon this word. I ask you to bring a fluency and a clarity, Father. I ask you to take these words and to carry them through the airwaves to the listeners. Father, that you might communicate your truth, that there might come encouragement and understanding revelation truth, Father. Breathe on this, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus. Enable me and help me, Father, to communicate what you've revealed to me. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you listen to the last uh, word I brought, the preach, um, I was uh, paralleling Elijah and John the Baptist. And Jesus very clearly spoke about John the Baptist being the second Elijah. Don't have time to expand upon it all now. So listen to the previous talk and you'll get some greater understanding. So essentially, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus first coming <clears throat> and coming into ministry. And just as John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, so it is the role of the church to prepare for the second coming of Jesus, for he's coming back for a bride the church of God in the earth. And we looked at some specific details about John the Baptist, in particular, his clothing and uh, his diet. OK. And last time I focused on the locusts that he would eat. <clears throat> and that was perhaps a bit of a hard thing to swallow, literally. And we found that the locust symbolised the troubles and difficulties of life that come our way. And I was sharing with us that it is these very difficulties uh, that are the things that will feed and nourish us as we push against them, as we climb over them uh, and take ground through them. Rather than going under, it's a platform to lift us higher if we approach them with the right attitude and push through rather than going down. So this week I'm going to talk about 
the better side of it, the, the honey, the sweeter picture, the sweeter part of uh, John's diet. And perhaps it was unfair last week to focus merely on the locusts because actually his diet was locusts and the wild honey. And they were both together. And certainly the honey would make the locust a bit of a sweeter um, diet to take. So let's look now into the Old Testament where we find uh, passages that contain references to honey. And if you're not aware that the Old Testament uh, paints pictures for us as followers of Jesus that basically communicate a truth about aspects of our Christian walk that we are to gain understanding from. And in the Old Testament, it's often referenced that the land of Canaan or the promised land, <clears throat> the land where Israel was to live and become the land of Israel, was a land flowing with milk and honey. Over and over, it says in scripture, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And it speaks of the good things, the positive, the blessing. And as we know, honey is a sweet thing. It's nice to taste and it sweetens food for us. And I want to take us through other references in the Old Testament where honey appears. And it occurs specifically in the journey that the Israelites took from Egypt when they were enslaved. And Moses took them out of that land and led them through the wilderness to the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. But the journey took a long time. It took 40 years. And during that time under Moses' leadership, God provided for them in the wilderness supernaturally. And he provided something called manna. I'm sure you'll have heard that word. And that it comes from, <laughs> I think it actually is, what is it? What's that? That's actually what it meant in Hebrew. They looked at it and thought, what is this? So every morning when the Israelites would get up and uh, go outside the tents, they would find these little wafer-like things on the floor that they called manna. And the reference was that it was like coriander seed and tasted of honey. And they collected it every day, apart from on the seventh day of the week when there wasn't any, because on the sixth day, there was twice as much for them to collect. They didn't need to go out and collect it on the seventh day. They had enough from day six. And so that was for years and years and years. God provided this um, supernatural food called manna that tasted of honey. And it speaks of the sweetness of God's provision for us as believers. That God wants to just feed and nourish us. And it will always have that sweetness as it comes from heaven. So it used to settle on the ground in the night and there it was in the morning, that provision. So what does it mean for us as believers? Well, scripture can interpret scripture. So if we look through other aspects of the Bible, we'll see what this is really pointing to for us as believers. So in Deuteronomy, <clears throat> chapter 32 verse 13 we find that this is the close of Moses life and he's speaking 
a prophecy over the children of Israel, a declaration, a word from heaven. And in there, there is a reference to honey. And I want to pull that out for us now. So I'm going to read from verse one of chapter 32 of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. And actually, it says that Moses sings this over the people of Israel. I'm not going to sing. Don't worry. I'm just going to read it. So it starts. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb, and as showers on the grass. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. Just note that his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. They have corrupted themselves. They're not his children because of their blemish, a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father who bought you out, who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he'll show you your elders and they will tell you when the most high divided their inheritance to the nations. When he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. And that's us today. The church, those who believe in Jesus. And Moses goes on to say, he found him in a desert land. This is God speaking about Israel. And in the wasteland, a howling wilderness, he encircled him, he instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye, as an eagle stirs up his nest, hovers over his young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them up on its wings. So the Lord alone led him and there was no foreign God with him. He made him to ride in the heights of the earth that he might eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock, curds from the cattle, and milk of the flock with the fat of lambs, and the rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats with the choicest wheat, and you drank wine, the blood of the grapes. And so I'll pause there. It goes on for another 20 odd plus verses. And here we see a picture of us drawing honey or sweetness from our relationship with God. So remember, the Old Testament speaks in pictures about the Christian's life and relationship with Jesus. And here it says in verse 13, God is saying, or God, it's about God saying, he made him, as in he made Israel draw honey from the rock. And earlier in verse four, we see that the rock is God. And Israel draws from God the rock and we draw in our relationship from God sweetness. That's where we gain that sustaining energy from the sweetness of his presence in our lives. And this is the picture 
of the Elijah people, the people of God who are welcoming the return of Jesus, that we are to um, be sustained by this sweetness of our relationship with God. Now, I want us to jump to Judges chapter 14. Honey appears again. Remember, it's symbolism. Now, this is a wonderful story. I'm not going to read it all, but basically it's the story of Samson, the great strong man, the Nazarite, who defeated the Philistines with his great strength. And his strength was in the locks of his hair that was never to be cut. OK, so basically in this chapter 14 of Judges, Samson kills a lion and he goes on his way and comes back later on days later perhaps and the body of the lion is being eaten away by the, the bugs and scavengers around there and inside the carcass of the lion uh, bees have made a nest and I'm going to pick it up in verse 9 of chapter 14 uh, I'm going to say verse 8 actually after some time when Samson returned to get um to get her. He's talking about Delilah, I believe. <clears throat> he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. When, um, when he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them and they also ate. But he didn't tell them that he'd taken it out, taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. I'm not going to go there and explain that. But Essentially, what we see is honey appears in the carcass of a lion. Now, how bizarre is that? How, how what is all of that about? Well, we know that Jesus is referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And here we see sweetness out of the death of the lion. And it speaks to us as believers that the death of Jesus brings us life. Out of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we find the sweetness we need for life. The sweetness we need to sustain us through the knocks of life. And just picking up about the locusts, the knocks of life, the hard things, the troublesome things. It's the sweetness that helps us deal with the locusts. So I wasn't really wasn't really fair for me not to talk about the honey last week when I was focusing on the locusts because they go together. What a beautiful picture that is that we see out of the death, that place of finality, of tragedy. It seemed to the disciples at the time, their saviour gone, dead. But three days later, he rose again in triumph over the final enemy, death, rose victorious. So out of Jesus' death comes this beautiful sweetness that we as believers, as we take that step to believe that Jesus died in our place on the cross and rose again, we can know new life. If we've never received Jesus in this way before, never said, Jesus, I take your death and burial and resurrection 
It was for me. I take it personally. and I ask for that new life you promised. If you've never done that, you can do that. You can receive Jesus and know and experience that sweetness that I'm referring to, that all believers around the world know and experience. What a wonderful thing. And it doesn't finish there. There's more that we find. And there's another wonderful passage in 1 Samuel 14. Now, I'm not going to go there because I will get so sidetracked into an action packed story. And I might preach on that because there's absolutely masses in it. And again, there are elements of what an Elijah people would be like in their secrets. You can go read it for yourself. I love that passage. It's it's so inspiring. <laughs> I'm wetting your appetite and teasing you now. You go go away and read it for yourself. But it mentions there how honey brightened the eyes of Jonathan, uh, the son of Saul and kindred spirit of King David. Uh, and it just speaks of, well, I can't go there. I, it's another preach. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm not going to go there. But it brightens the eye. Honey and that which brightens the eye, that's what just makes life worth living. And Jesus brings that. He brings that thing which makes life worth living in the mundane, in the groundhog day that probably a lot of people are experiencing in this season and time of lockdown. It's the sweetness of Jesus that can sustain us. So I'm going to jump now into Psalm 19. And this is a wonderful psalm. You can read more of it yourself but it talks about how creation speaks the whole of creation has a voice and it's the voice of heaven if i can find it psalm 19 i said didn't i yeah okay shout when you find it okay so psalms are in the middle of the bible and psalm 19 and i'm going to read from verse 7 it says here, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and in keeping them is great reward. That's finishing at verse 11. So here is another reference to honey, and it's pointing to the word of God. This amazing book. Pure and upright, reviving the soul, transforming, sustaining. What does it say? The statutes are of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. More to be desired than even gold and sweeter than honey. And honey through scripture is pointing us to the richness of the word of God. You know, I've been saying that Jesus and out of his death and resurrection, the sweetness of his death is for us. 
And here I'm saying that the Bible is saying the word of God is actually sweeter than honey itself. And Jesus is actually called the word of God. So out of the word of God comes sweetness for us. The Elijah people, the people of God, the people of the believe in Jesus and are hastening and looking for the return of Jesus in our day, in our time. And as we live our lives, drawing on Jesus, drawing from the word of God and that sweetness, we will be those who are ushering in and bringing in the return of Jesus. And if you're not convinced by all of this, I just want you to jump into Revelation chapter 10, which is an amazing book where John, a different John, experienced a vision of the return of Jesus and end times and what it was all going to be. And it is it's wild and full of symbolism and pictures and images, some of it very scary. And uh, Christian scholars debate one way and the other about its interpretation of when Jesus will return and what it will look like. And I just want to pull out just a, a little tiny section in chapter 10, verses eight and nine. And it just talks about it says, then a voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, go take the little book, which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take and eat. And in your mouth, it will be as sweet as honey. And it's pointing again to our taking of the word of God. There is a sweetness in us, sweetness for us as we eat and partake of the word of God. And it's to typify our lives. We are meant to draw on the word of God frequently, not just once a week or once a month. Every day, if you can. I don't want to be legalistic about it. But God has something to say. If we will give him that time just to shut out the distractions of the world, turn off the telly, turn off the radio, turn off noise and just dial down into calm quietness. And ask God as we approach the word and say, Father, speak through these inspired words. For it says that all scripture is God breathed. And it contains a supernatural life. I guarantee if you come humbly to the word of God and ask God to speak, he will indeed speak life to us. And you might be surprised what he says. But this is the honey that will enable us to cope with the locusts of life and devour them, to eat them. That our diet of locusts with honey will be that which nourishes and nurtures us as believers. So we deal with the stuff of life, drawing on the word of God. This is how we will overcome and we will be those ready to welcome the king himself, Jesus for he said he's coming soon. So this verse that I said in my last talk just leapt off the page at me. That was Matthew chapter three and verse four saying. Now, John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. This John the Baptist, who is the Elijah that was prophesied 
in Malachi that Jesus said, if you will have it, if you're prepared to believe it and swallow it and be childlike in your faith, you can take this that John the Baptist was the Elijah to come. And I'm saying now that we as God's people are an Elijah people, if you're willing to have it, if you're willing to believe that Jesus is coming soon, if you're willing to believe that we can translate the troubles of this life, we can bash them down by the power of the word of God as we draw from the rock, the honey that is in him, the honey through the death of Jesus that comes to us out of the carcass of the lion, the honey came. As we do that, as we draw on the eternal word, it will be that which is our platform in this world, which is becoming so shaky and more shaking is coming. We will have strong stepping stones on which to come, on which to stand in the storms that are going to hit. More is yet to come. Don't be discouraged. Turn to the word of God, for there is hope. There is great courage from heaven. There is a great cloud of witnesses. Those who've gone before us are cheering us on in this home straight, saying, don't give up. Dig deep. Dig into the word of God. Holy Spirit will blow on that word and illuminate it for us. Will inspire us from the living word. If you've grown weary and tired of the word, it's dry. You need to call for Holy Spirit to blow upon it. There is sweetness. As we see the death of Jesus through the pages, as we see Jesus throughout scripture, we will gain sustenance for our daily life and we will be walking in another realm. We will be fed from another stream which others don't have. And as they grow weary, as they grow despairing, it's from our cup that they will draw. Do you want to have enough in your cup for others? Do you want to be able to share with others the life of heaven, which is eternal, inexhaustible? The resource of heaven will never run dry. And it comes through the word of God, through faith. And God is saying it's there for you. Draw, draw from the rock, draw from the word of God, because that is your life. That is where you will stand. You will not need to fear when the heap comes. What does it say in Jeremiah 17 about he who trusts in the Lord will be like a tree planted by the waters that sends out its roots by the stream? It has no fear in a year of drought, it does not worry when the heat comes. Its leaf will always be green and will never fail to bear fruit. Those are the people who have planted themselves by the river, the river of God that flows out of this book and the river of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, we were talking weeks back about the spirit and the word when they come together, when they collide. That is the time for the end time revi revival. And the end time harvest. So I'm exhorting us get into the word like never before. If you struggle, call on God to help you, to encourage you. Wait on him. Pray in tongues before you dive in. It will come alive. It will be electric to you. Give five minutes to pray in tongues. That might be a challenge for some. Go by the clock and just do it. Worship God. Sing and worship before you come into the word and it will come alive to you. This is to typify 
the Elijah people, those who are looking for and hastening the return of Jesus. For I'm telling you, it's soon. It is not far away. And God wants us to be ready. He wants us to be filled with good food, strength that will sustain. He wants us to be filled with joy. Joy comes from this supernatural exchange between earth and heaven that comes through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit encounter we have with him. But there's such a sweet thing when you encounter Holy Spirit in the pages of the word of God. I want to encourage you now with Jeremiah 33 verse 3 before I close. Call to me and I will answer you and show you deep and unsearchable things which you do not know. Hold God at his word. Call upon him and he will answer you. And sometimes we just forget to read the word. He'll speak through the word. I guarantee if you just do it mechanically every day, he will speak. But have ears to listen and a heart to hear. Let me pray in closing. Heavenly Father, I ask you to breathe upon my listeners right now, wherever they are, old and young, near and far. Blow on them, Holy Spirit. Inspire them and draw them to the living word of God. Open their eyes, O God. Open our eyes to see the treasures that you hold there that will sustain us in the dark times. Lord, open to us the sweetness, that which is maybe hidden. Lord, the wild honey that we may have to search for. It's not going to come on a plate. You want us to dig for it and search for it. But Lord, I'm asking you, open to us the pages of your word and speak to us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. God bless you. Till next time. Bye bye. Serve the glory.
time together this morning is nearly over but opportunities for more time together this week are not so i hope you made a note of those various things we're doing via zoom calls during lockdown such as prayer bible study and the youth meeting etc i also want to encourage members of freedom church who are part of a triplet to not let meeting together slide try your best if you can to sort out something online where you can meet together even if it's just for 30 minutes and speaking of 30 minutes, every Sunday we host a Freedom Church Hangout session via Zoom for 30 minutes, not long after this service finishes at 12.15. Uh, the room ID number will show up near the end of this broadcast and I must give a massive apology to all those of you who tried logging in with the incorrect number I posted last week. I can assure you I've double checked this week and we are good to go. So. Join us for 5 minutes, 15 minutes or the full 30. It'd be just great to say hello and have a catch up. And I'd also like to hear how you found today's service. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe to the channel and even click or tap the notification bell. The more folks that do this, the more people who need to hear today's message might get it presented to them by YouTube's mighty algorithms. And if you're watching this on Facebook, please like the video and we'd love you to like our Facebook page as well. Uh, and for both platforms, why not share the links for this video on your social media feeds? Please consider giving to Freedom Church today. The details on how to do that are coming up. Uh, and one final thing, you've just connected with us today and, and you've watched all the way to the end. There's a good chance you might want to know more about us. Well, if this is the case, we'd love you to contact us. Just email hello at myfreedom.church and visit our website, myfreedom.church. Well, bless you all. Have a great week and I'll see you soon. <laughs>